Thank you, Alice. That was lovely. It's nice to take advantage of these summers when kids are around. <clears throat> so it's on people's minds. Bruce Jenner is now Caitlyn Jenner. I know it's on people's minds because my shrinking conservative local newspaper is covering the story. I know it's on people's minds because all the other news and social media I follow are discussing her transformation from Olympic decathlon medalist to Vanity Fair magazine cover story. I know it's on everyone's mind when a workman in my office sorting through internet cables in a floor socket stands up pauses a moment to get my attention and then asks what do you think of Caitlyn Jenner? I was typing away working on a eulogy we had not been in the middle of a conversation it's on people's minds and in his single question is a full bundle of questions what kind of religious institution is Hope Church? One where sexuality can be discussed? Is the minister of this church willing to discuss transgender issues with a stranger? Are they taboo or sinful? Is life as simple as we imagine or wish it to be? How can we understand binary categories of gender that for most have always seemed fixed and immutable. As a person working on my internet, presenting as male, what does the question mean posed to a human typing at a computer presenting as female? So we ended up discussing what it must feel like to not fit into your gender, to have gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder. Those are the diagnostic terms that describe anyone who experiences a significant amount of discontent with the gender they're assigned at birth. And those terms are disputed by the transgender community. They cry out that Inclusion of gender identity disorder in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that thick book of, is similar to a, the gross misstep when homosexuality was listed, considered a disorder. It led to gay men and lesbian women being treated as a disease rather than as humans. So we're discussing transgender today because we can. That in itself is a victory. To belong to a church community willing to consider embracing the full spectrum of humanness. And we're discussing transgender friends because this is Tulsa Weekend of Pride, the longest-running gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender pride festival in Oklahoma. 
Last night was the Pride Parade and Festival, and today is the Pride Picnic in Centennial Park. Hope Church used to have a public presence at these events, and I'm committed to working together to reinvigorate our visible support of this part of ourselves and of the community at large. We, we are a religious tradition in the lead, accepting gender as a spectrum of human expression, of closely re-examining simplistic morality, and of welcoming the gamut of life experiences. So we're discussing transgender today because the theme for the month is compassion. And I plan to focus next week's sermon to focus on that. But in reality, compassion is the umbrella over today's sermon. Well, most of them all year, really. I'm talking about compassion as um, the contemporary novelist Ian McEwan writes about compassion. He says, it's imagining what it is like to be someone other than yourself. And it's at the core of our humanity. It is the essence of compassion and the beginning of our morality. Compassion is essential to our journey in life. We use our imaginations to fully meet ourselves and others. So the celebrity status of Caitlyn Jenner gives us one common entry point into envisioning what it feels, what being outside cultural norms, cultural gender norms might feel. At the same time, we can't generalize to all transgender from this Vanity Fair's lead article and Annie Leibovitz's glamour shots. This media splash doesn't tell Caitlin's whole story, nor does it inform us of the quiet and private experiences of our own, of our transgender family, friends, and colleagues. So join me in an exercise of our imaginations. All here who fit within our modern American culture's normative, binary gender categories, male or female, try to imagine not feeling like yourself. And it can begin at a young age. If this exercise disgusts or bothers you, simply notice that. It's okay. We are historically squeamish about our bodies and gender. But for the moment, try to set aside your fears just for a brief time. In making the effort, we're taking a step to becoming an ally to any and all different from ourselves. So when I try to imagine not feeling like myself, I can conjure up fleeting moments when I was sick or in a foreign land. 
and felt out a place. When traveling, I've thought from time to time, no one fully knows who I am. These brief experiences can't fully capture what it means to be transgender, carrying an enduring and profound disconnect between feelings and outer reality for years on end. But tapping into these occasional sensations, I find a starting point for compassion. Dr. Susan Stryker, now a historian at Harvard, has written a history of transgender in the United States, and she describes her own experiences with that spectrum and realizing she doesn't fit the ends. She writes, I'm one of those people who, from earliest memory, always felt I was a girl. Though I had a male body at birth and everybody considered me to be a boy, I didn't have an explanation for those feelings when I was younger. And after a lifetime of reflection and study, I'm still open-minded now about how best to explain them. I hid those feelings from absolutely everybody until I was in my late teens, and I didn't start coming out publicly as transgender until the late 1980s, when I was almost 30. I'd never knowingly met another transgender person before that time. I started living 24-7 as an openly transsexual lesbian woman in San Francisco, in 1991, just as I was finishing up my PhD in United States history at the University of California, Berkeley. Not all people who identify as trans can reach back into their childhoods to find clear moments when they knew their surroundings communicated something that didn't fit their experiences. Yet frequently this awareness happens early in life. In preparing for this and in imagining compassionately my own life, I was surprised to easily recall my own childhood gender stories. Many times my mother wanted me to behave and dress in ways that didn't fit me. I'm not transgender. The term for someone who fits what society considers normal for a gender is cisgender, cis, C-I-S, a Latin-derived prefix meaning this side of. I'm on this side of the cultural norm of gender. I'm on this side of what it means to be female. while trans means across from, on the other side. And what I like about both prefixes is they capture the extent that gender is really a journey, a journey of development and acculturation, a series of formative experiences, no matter what side you're on. So if your self-understanding of identity matches society's, then you may not be aware at all that there are sides and there are factors in your life reinforcing the side you're on. It all seems so normal 
So back to my mother, Catherine K. She adores dolls, adores them. And since she had lost her first daughter to sudden infant death syndrome, my birth as a girl means in some way a chance for her to make up for that loss. I'm aware of being a disappointment because playing with dolls doesn't thrill me in the least. I can't share in what she had hoped we might enjoy together. I don't hold her dolls with precious reverence. She realizes I'm not giving these dolls to her. (laughs) She wanted to pass them down to me. And more importantly, she wanted to share that joy in their company with me. So one year when I was in second or third grade, I remember the courage it took to explain what I really wanted for Christmas was not Chatty Cathy, was not a beautiful doll from a foreign land. I wanted Hot Wheels. I wanted the Hot Wheels car racing set. I remember she took breath. And I understood in my asking it was a boy's toy, not a girl's. So let me stop to clarify matters. We're not talking about sex, but we're just talking about those boundaries our families and our society place on us and our gender. Gender expectations aren't carved in stone. In fact, they vary from age to age, society to society, country to country, culture to culture. Gender identity is one's internal, deeply held sense of being male or female. And sexual orientation is to whom you are attracted. So those are two different things. They're not the same thing, shouldn't be conflated or confused. The cultural expectation is that one's biological sex, gender identity, and gender expression will align in stereotypical ways that someone who is male will identify as boy, man, and have a masculine gender expression. And this doesn't always serve our diverse world and myriad experiences of self that exist. So my example of a Christmas wish is, is a relatively fleeting moment, yet it's typical of, of the cultural, uh, trappings isn't the right word I want, but the shapings of gender. And that tiny little memory has stayed with me more than 50 years. I remember a discomfort I couldn't fully understand by seeking something outside of the family's customs. And I remember the thrill of finding what I wanted under the Christmas tree. And I appreciate that my mother understood me enough to set aside her assumptions and dreams of who I was to get me a toy she would have bought for her sons. So when I try to imagine what it feels like to be transgender, how many of my daily motions and interactions would constantly scrape against my own sense of self? I imagine I imagine almost every single thing I did during a day or do during a day 
what I see in the morning, what clothes I have in my closet, how I move, walk, sit, what career I have, how people treat me, whom I date and marry, whether my family accepts or rejects me, and my religion. My acceptance of my female gender affects every aspect of my life. Conversely, if I feel my gender is misassigned, it would affect every aspect of my life. My assigned gender, female, is the sole factor in a job I quit. When I tell an owner of a film company where I work that I would like to go out on film shoots and not just work in the editing rooms... He told me he didn't think girls were suitable to be on production crews. He explained the job meant carrying heavy cases, getting dirty, long hours. I quit on the spot with that youthful optimism and drive of thinking, I'll show you. And I did. His patronizing attitude pushed me to apply for other film jobs and I was hired by a manufacturing company to help them sit up, set up a film unit in their advertising department. Think pre-YouTube. and So I got to travel all over the United States and in Europe, flying with up to 12 cases of equipment and no crew to cart my cases. I climbed to the top of oil rigs. I set up shops in forging plants. I crawled into ditches and tunnels. I loved it. This week, Hope Church has a dynamic interim director for our religious programs, Casey Kendrick. She started work, and she spent Friday with um, our other children's staff and me creating schedules and discussing the layout downstairs, moving furniture around. And she suggested playstations for the toddlers and a dress-up costume area. So I was working on this sermon and had things churning, and it was on my mind, too. I had to ask her response to putting children... I had to ask her response to children putting on a costume that might be different from their observable gender. If we are as open and affirming as we say we are, then... How a preschool teacher responds to your son or grandson who puts on the tutu or your daughter and granddaughter who puts on the hard hat and runs for the tools matters. It matters if our church is committed to being informed allies of gay, lesbian, and transgender. Our assembly of congregations voted over eight years ago to affirm its commitment to the inherent worth and dignity of every human being, including transgender. We further resolve to express this spiritual value through our employment practices, educational efforts, congregational life, and public witness. 
if you're cisgender like me, if you're on the normal side of that line, that spectrum, and if you are what the doctor cried out when you were born, it's a girl or it's a boy, if that still applies to your life today, then our task is to become an ally and to help all around us become allies. An ally to the LGBTQ community is someone who, know, who shows compassion for the well-being of lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and intersex people. An ally is someone willing to learn about the experiences of the other. An ally is someone who confronts homophobia and transphobia, and they're willing to encounter the fears and assumptions of their own and of others. An ally cares how we speak to our children and our teens, our young adults, and to each other. An ally sees gender variety as a social justice issue. Just so you know, transgender people, particularly transgender women, are disproportionately affected by hate violence. Transgender people face high levels of discrimination and poverty with unemployment at twice the rate of the general population. Access to health care is extremely limited for transgender people, and the American Medical Association has stated that treatment for gender dysphoria is medically necessary. However, private insurance companies treat transition-related medical care as if it's cosmetic, regularly inserting transgender exclusion clauses into health insurance plans. Our summer college intern, Ren Pasco, I hope you meet her. You will meet her. Um, she's been studying gender issues at the University of Oklahoma. So she's doing a little research for us about the Unitarian Universalist Association's guidelines for becoming a welcoming congregation. And this process is akin to the work Hope did to become an accredited green sanctuary. The steps create opportunities for us to learn together, to examine if and how we might be hospitable to all, no matter another person's gender identity or sexual orientation. And this welcoming congregation self-study will help us see many ways we can become more open and affirming across boundaries and divides, across racial and economic disability lines. So just as our heretical religious tradition demands we constantly and consistently examine the questions and boundaries of theology and church community, we're called to listen carefully and critically to all who ask we reconsider other social and intellectual norms. We're called to learn what it means to fall outside our labels of male and female. We're called to hear what children and grandchildren are telling us. We're called to speak the truth in love. 
and to hear the loving speech of others. So I plan to be marching in the 2016 Gay Pride Parade. Join me. May it be so.